Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Nature Weird. No, I mean, uh, Nature. Yeah, the Nature Weird. Yeah, not the Daily Weird. The Nature yes. Weird. Yes. Yeah. So, the last time I forgot and I accidentally said Daily Weird, but yeah, that was. That's the funny. Nature Weird. So, it's Nature Weird. We have a number an- announcing it. Um, I got a number for a podcast. So, um, it will be in the description below. Um, I will not say it over the air. I will post it in the description below in the podcast. Um, so if you ever want to text us or hit us up, give us ideas on what to talk about in our Nature Weird yep. podcast, feel free to text or hit me up. Yep. Um, but anyway, here is Alex Jung, yeah, also known as Jungle Ju- Jungle Jung. Yep. Uh, and I am Danny Rorty, also known as Roaring Rorty. Yep. So, uh, anyway, we are going to be talking about four different things, and Alex is going to let you know what those are. We're going to talk about ferns, flowers, gardening, and... Um, weeds. Weeds. Yep. So, and I think uh, we've already covered this in a few podcasts in the future, but I figured it would be fun to start it again because we're getting close to spring and things are waking up, and it's really fun to talk about these things. It is, yeah. So, which one do you want to start out with first? Uh, let's start with the books I have. I have a couple of cool. books. Awesome. I have a book called Ferns and Allies of the North Woods by Joe. Wall Sky, and he is an author, is a director of naturalist training at the Wolf Refuge Environmental Learning Center in Finland, Minnesota. Oh, he cool. earned a bachelor's social degree in fisheries and wildlife biology from Ohio, no, no, from Iowa State University, and an MED in environmental education from the University of Minnesota Duluth. Every year he works with future leaders of environmental education. He challenges them to pay close attention to the natural world around them and to critically examine how they share meaningful stories with their students. Nice. So he does a lot of different things, and I don't know him personally. I'm just reading the book. Cool, cool. But yeah, that's one. And then the other one I was going to talk about is called... His name is... Don Kurtz. And Don Kurtz spent 34 years working in inventory to protect wild areas. And he is a part-time writer now and a nature photographer specializing in landscapes, wildlife, insects, and plants. His photos have appeared in calendars and magazines such as Natural History as well as numerous wildflower books, including Falcons, Tallgrass Prairie Wildflowers, and Northwoods Wildflowers. Nice. So, those are two of them. And then the last author I have is... What's that book called, though? Do this you... book is called Wildflowers of the Tallgrass Prairie. And the other one was called... Um, that one's the... Wildflowers of the Midwest. Okay, cool. And then the last book is one about ferns. Okay. And this has this co-author. There's a lot of co-authors in this book. Um, I will go with... Um, this book first, the wildflowers in the Midwest, because we live in the Midwest. This we is do. where we live. Yep. This is where we call home. It call, covers Minnesota. And this is where we do our podcast. Yeah, Midwest. <laughs> the Midwest. Now, 
Some of you may think wildflowers are weeds or weeds are wildflowers. And the fact is most of the plants you're probably going to find, at least in the city or at least in um, suburbia, are probably invasive or alien plants that you wouldn't yeah. you would know. I mean, you can find native plants, but you're not going to find like anchors and anchors of lady slippers or anchors and anchors of ladies' tresses anymore. But they have a section on weeds and what is really a weed and what is not. Um, some of them like Queen's Anne's lace and uh, spotted knapweed and purple loose strife and buckthorn and stuff like that. Those are all weeds. Those are all the true weeds that were brought over. Various dates. Um, Creeping Charlie was brought over and I believe it was first spotted in the Midwest in 1818 and it was brought over to North America in the 1700s and by the Anglo-Saxons. And garlic mustard was brought over around the same time and buckthorn was imported from 1830 to 1930 and it's escaped. It's now part of our ecosystem unfortunately. Unfortunately. So, what flowers, what is your favorite color, Danny? Uh, I'd have to say blue. Okay. Well, there are blue and purple flowers here that I really like. I'm looking at the blue and purple section. He has them in different sections. And... It's... Purple's pretty good, too. I like purple. Yeah, uh, purple is actually a color that bees like. Bees yeah. can see an ultraviolet in purple, and purple really attracts bees. I was thinking um, hairy wild petunia is the first one I can see. And that one I've seen at Outback Nursery. I've never seen it in the wild wild, but I've seen it, like, in uh, land that is um, restored or yeah. in a nursery. I Old think we have a, a few of those uh, yep. near our place and at uh, Chromebook Parts because there's that that HG uh, Fuller reserve reserve okay cool, uh, wildlife cool. reserve there. I have I have so. some um, Jack in the pulpits in our yard and oh, they come cool. up every spring. They come up there in the arm family and they come up as a spear, okay. and the spear breaks and then the leaves come up and the leaves have leaves of three. So if you see a plant with a hooded specks. And leaves of three, it is a jack in the pulpit. You're not poison ivy. Poison ivy has leaves of three, but poison ivy is a vine, and it also has a woody stem in some areas, you know, jagged yeah. teeth, and sometimes has glossy colors on it, glossy yeah. sheen. Skunk cabbage is another one that's purple and blue. Um, <laughs> this one is actually really fascinating because it makes its own body heat. Oh, interesting. So what it does is it warms the snow to 68 degrees, and it blooms like a few weeks from now. It blooms in like late March Okay, cool. when the snow melts. The first nice. wildflower to bloom is skunk cabbage, generally. You can find it in wet woods. You can find it in the Midwest, but it is getting rarer, and there is a bunch of it in um, the Elouse Butler Wildflower Garden. Cool. Which is a gem. If you've ever been there, go there. It is really cool if you've never been there. Um, 
There was a woman called Elise Butler that lived from 1851 to 1933, and she saw wildflowers and native plants like you wouldn't believe. She saw lots and lots of different ones: trilliums, lady slippers, hypatica, jack in the pulpit, wild ginger, on yeah. and on and on. And then she saw them all get destroyed in her life for development and settling and progresses that were going on. So she decided, you know what? I'm not going to just let this happen. I'm going to make a garden. And she made a garden of five acres on land in Minneapolis, and it's still there today. She was able to convince the powers that be, the presidents, the congressmen, the stuff like that, to set it aside as land for people to go enjoy. So now everybody can see her work, and everybody can see the last tamarack bog in Minneapolis, and they can see the um, flowers and stuff. Another flower that I really like is called coneflower. Now, there is some confusion about purple coneflower versus narrowly purple coneflower. Narrowly purple coneflower is the only coneflower that's endemic to Minnesota. Yes. Like the trout lily. Whereas purple coneflower is native further, further south, like further east, southeast, but yeah. it can grow here. But it's not necessarily indigenous to just this area. It's other areas. It's like scattered. This Got area, it. this habitat, the Midwest, especially Minnesota where we're from, has three different habitats that go into one. Prairie, woodland, and coniferous forest, big woods, and prairie. And they all come in one state. Nice. Joe Pieweed's also really nice. Joe Pieweed gets really tall, though. And we'll talk about gardening later, but Joe Pieweed gets really tall, and it likes wet soil. Yeah. Hmm. Let's see. What else? Blazing Stars, Lobatica. No, Lotris. Not Lobatica. Something. But anyway... Blazing stars are native to the prairies, and they have blue-purple flowers, and they have like a club-like spear that cuts on the bottom and goes up, and birds like them, monarch butterflies like them, bees like them, all kinds of stuff. Um, do you have any questions about the blazing star? There's lots of different types. Yeah, it looks really nice. There's uh, dance, yeah. there's savanna, there's tall, there's dotted, there's prairie, there's colonical, there's rough. Wow. Yeah. Now keep in mind, a lot of these flowers are very rare, so you don't want to pick them unless you know that they're common and they're on land where you can get the permission from the homeowner. Yes, or the yeah. Who owns it. So some of these, like... You can go to jail if you like pick the showy lady slip of the state flower or the western prairie fringe short. Yeah. But some of these are more common than others. Like New England Astro, you can find in a garden sale and grow in your own garden. That's yeah. Cool. There are so many astros. Let me check and see how many astros we have in this book. Twelve asters I have seen just in this area that are purple. There might be ones that are white or different colors. Wow, that's um, a lot of aster that are just blue or purple. Yeah. It's like, yeah. wow. 
There's other asters that are field asters that are yellow or um, white. Yeah. And we'll get to yellow flowers in a minute. But yep. This is the Virginia bluebells. Those are in the wildflower garden that we love. By the way, bumblebees really like those. Yep. Um, what's your favorite flower other, uh, color other than blue and purple? My favorite flower... Color. Color, I should Color, say. okay. Other than blue and purple would probably have to be yellow. Okay, yellow. I like yellow, too. We have some yellow ones that I planted in my landscape. Like, I love sunflowers. Like yeah, when sunflowers you go, are really cool, and even yeah. cooler than sunflowers are the I really like that, those farms that, like, like to just grow sunflowers. Like, yeah. they actually have farms there that are, have a, There are. Yeah. Well, the sunflowers you're thinking of are the ones, I think, are the ones that um, only live for one year that you plant the yeah. seeds to stripe sunflowers. Minnesota has, I want to say... In this guide, it says seven species of native sunflowers that grow, wow. not including the Sapelium genus. Okay. The Sapeliums are like a close cousin to the sunflower. Yeah. Like the wild dog is a cousin of the wolf. They're not the same yeah. creature. Yeah. But anyway, Sapeliums were once very common in the tall grass prairie region and they're like sunflowers. They have they have different um, structures than sunflowers, but they can get really big. Cup plant and compass plant can get six to eight feet tall. Wow. And compass plant can live over a hundred years. Dang. Yeah, it's like an oak. It has deep roots that go fifteen feet into the ground. Wow. Anyway as far as sunflowers go, you have common sunflower, which is the wild relative of the sunflower that you know about, I'm sure. you yeah. got the plain sunflower, the bristly sunflower, the pale leaf sunflower, the sawtooth sunflower, the maximum sunflower, the ashy sunflower, the western sunflower, the prairie sunflower, Jerusalem artichoke, false sunflower, and then you're going into asters again. Yeah. Nice. So there's a lot of sunflowers, and sunflowers can grow in a variety of habitats. Some of them grow in prairies, some of them grow in woodlands and stuff. I've seen sunflowers growing in the forest. I don't know exactly what type they are. They might be woodland sunflowers or pale leaf, but... Are those dandelions? Dandelions, actually, what you're thinking of is the dandelions that a, that a woman, I forget her name, she brought them from the old country. She brought them from Europe. Yeah. And they escaped, and they grew wild. They're in the weed section. This is the false dandelion. This isn't okay. the dandelion that you're thinking of. Those dandelions are very common, the ones that you're thinking of. Yeah. And not to be disrespectful, I'm just saying the ones that grow yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Those are weeds. And that's the evasive one. Yeah, yeah they, they've really taken over. But um, I'm going to show you the sapeliums now. They're very interesting. Sapeliums are my favorite group. In fact, I made a song for my guitar class called Save the Sapeliums because they do need saving. I mean, there's not very many of them left. And we don't know if they'll even be prairie in the next hundred years or where we're going. 
This yeah. is World Woes and Weed. Woes and Weed. This is Compass Plant. This is Cup Plant, Prairie Dock. And those are all the Sapeliums. Now, the Sapeliums once stretched for a million acres. They once stretched from Minnesota into Iowa, into the Prairie States. And then that was changed as humanity progressed and moved on. And they didn't think like we do today. They didn't think, oh, this is going to, what, what, what are the consequences of this? What are we going to do? They yeah. just said, oh, we're going to take the land. Oh, we're going to take it. We're going to take it. And as a result, less than 1% of the original prairie remained. Wow. Did you know there are cactus in Minnesota? No, I did not. Prickly pear. There's eastern prickly pear, fragile prickly pear, and plains prickly pear. And they all have yellow flowers. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Any other colors you're interested in? No, we can go on to the next one. Here, okay. you're ready. White. white. When I think of white flowers in spring, I see blood. Blood looks really pretty. Yeah. Bloodroot has um, snow white flowers with yellow centers, and it comes very, very early in the spring. It breaks dormancy like around April, late April is when it starts to show, and then it shatters, and it falls apart, and it lasts about a week. And bees and butterflies and stuff, the spring bees like it cleans, stuff like that, and the nails yeah. and all that. Nice. And I wrote a poem about Bloodroot, but it's kind of sad because it's about how my mother, her health and her love for me was fleeting because she only lived the first 12 years and I lost my tongue. But, yeah. But anyway, Bloodroot is very gorgeous and... It is called bloodroot because if you break the root, bloody sap will stain your hand. Oh, wow. Yep. It's used by some Native American tribes for dye. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. And then another white flower I really like is the spikenard. I have American spikenard in our yard, and that's used in the ingredient in root beer. Nice. And then wild sarsaparilla is definitely used in root beer, but that's so rare. It might actually include encourage poaching in the garden because wild yeah. sarsaparilla is critically endangered. I bet. Yeah. Any other colors you're interested in? Uh, I could go on and on and on. <laughs> Pink, purple. Yeah. Blue. Let's do the next book. Okay. Yeah. How about we do ferns? Nice. Ferns. Ferns. I have planted several ferns in our garden. I planted ostrich fern. I planted cinnamon fern. I planted wood fern. I planted maidenhair fern. Those are all really nice. Um, some of them like more sun, less sun than I have, mm -hmm. but I didn't want to attract too many bees because people were getting stung, and I know a lot of people like the bees, and the bees are in trouble, mm -hmm. so it's important to think about bees, but you also don't want to lure bees to be sprayed, so you want to make sure that if you're going to plant flowers that attract bees, do it in a bee-friendly area, please. Yeah. Um, 
But cinnamon fern is called cinnamon fern because it has um, cinnamon-like fonts with the spores on it, and it looks just like cinnamon. Yeah. And then maidenhair fern looks like a hand, a big hand that comes up and shields everything. And ostrich fern is really cool because it's the only fiddlehead in the Midwest you should eat. Other fiddleheads can actually give you cancer. Ah. I don't want to get cancer. No. Cancer would be bad. So it's better to eat only ostrich fern fiddleheads. And you can pick the fiddleheads if they get to be too numerous in your yard. And uh, that will bring us to our next question. Next topic. Gardening. Now, before you garden with native plants, make sure that the sources that you get your native plants from are legit. Make sure that you don't get things like Trillium or Lady Slipper or Western Prairie Fringed Orchid or Lady's Tresses because most of those are dug from the wild and their populations are declining so much. So it's better to get ones like Wild Geranium, Ferns, Shade Natives, Sun natives like um, sapeliums or butterfly weed or jack in the pulpit shade, stuff like that, that'll grow in your area that are common. So if something happens to them or you move, it's not the end of the world. Yes, yeah. I still would like to see a native flower be protected, you know, ideally, but. Yeah. Anyway, um, some of them will never be able to grow in cultivation. Like lady slippers and trilliums and prairie fringed orchids, those will just die if you plant them because they can't they need a special symbiosis relationship with microbial fungi. Interesting. Yeah. So they need a special relationship that no longer exists in an altered state. Okay. Um, some of them you can get seed from or get tubers from. Like, you can get tubers from a certain... Like, there are different plant dealers and different kinds of nurseries you can go out, uh, go get stuff from. I'll list um, some nurseries you can go that are legit. Prairie Moon Nursery is one. Wild Ones is another. Um... Another nursery you can get them from is Highland Nursery, but again, be careful. Make sure they're not dug. Uh, Friends School Plant Sale over by, um, over by the the Minnesota State Fairgrounds on Mother's Day weekend is another one. And those are all legit ones. You don't want to get them from the wild. You don't want to just dig them up from someone's property. Because, again, the wildflowers are struggling. They already have enough problems. You don't need to add more. They have issues with, like, development, urbanization, herbicides. Um, Those are the big ones. Invasive species are actually second to development. Yep. 
So those are really bad. So you want to make sure when you get wildflowers for your garden, plant dense stands for the bees and dense stands so they have a chance against the weeds and educate yourself about what weeds grow in your area so that you can eradicate the weeds or at least control them before and during your planting time. So with that being said, uh, I have a question for you. Uh, yeah. What what do you, do you recommend elevated gardens then if you, that um, would help with weeding? Domesticated or? flowers and wildflowers are kind of different. Um, elevated gardens can work with wildflowers, but you probably they need to be on the ground. They need okay. to be able to freeze and feel that cold Got it. and then grow again in the summer. Elevated gardens might intensify the cold to the point where they would die. Got it. You might be able to get away with some ferns or get away with some clumping plants like bloodroot or something. Okay. But most of our native wildflowers probably don't want to grow in a pot or grow in an elevated garden. Got it. Okay. You want to plant those in the ground. Okay. Good. Which, if you live in an apartment or live in a condo, is hard. But you can always have a community garden if you go there yeah. and then you can yeah. grow wildflowers there. Yeah. Um, any other questions? No, that's it. Okay. Um, this is Alex signing out. This is Danny signing out. The number uh, for our podcast will be listed below. Also with some information about uh, the locations where you can get good plants. Um, I'll have Alex, you know, give me the names of these and i'll put it in the description below as well so that you can look up if you're local to the twin cities area uh you can look those uh florals up uh these nurseries and uh get the get your plants from these ner legit nurseries as well yeah so like um outback nurseries in hastings so it might yeah. not be in the twin cities but yeah. well yeah i mean it, it, outback nursery is also another good one um yeah, that one's not too far from the Twin Cities, but yeah, it's... Prairie like, Moon is in Winona. Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, signing out, Danny and Alex, yeah. and we will reach you again in about a month. All okay. right. Bye. Bye.